Hey, welcome to Trains Live, the Trains.com podcast. Do you like what you hear? Listen, check out this episode in video with a Trains.com unlimited membership. Click the link in the episode notes and watch it today. Oh, wait a minute, not a member? Try our 30-day free trial of Trains.com, the ultimate online portal for anyone who loves trains of any size from any era. Trains.com, it's your home for the most comprehensive railroading news and curated video series, articles, photos, and so much more, all about trains. We are in a rail vehicle for the first time that combined internal combustion and electric propulsion, and it revolutionized railroading. Come along here on Trains Live as we explore this historic rail vehicle. Hey, you may have caught trains live oh, a couple episodes back. We were at the Mid-Continent Railway Museum in North Freedom, Wisconsin. We were looking at a, a sleeping car, the Duluth. If you didn't see that episode, no, watch this one first, then go back and check that one out. The work they're doing is fantastic. But as I mentioned, we, uh, we, we, love, we love North Freedom. We love the Mid-Continent Railway Museum. So we brought the crew back. We're going to do another Trains Live here. Uh, I'm Bob Lettenberger, Associate Editor for Trains Magazine. And as I said in the open, we're going back to the grassroots of the hybrid movement. Uh, listen, folks, you, you don't got to plug this thing in that we're standing in. If you are a diesel fan, this is for you. We are on board Montana Western number 31. It is a incredibly early EMC. No, not EMD. EMC, Electric Motive, Electromotive Corporation. Before General Motors got into the action, this is a rail car. This is one of the first motor cars. Behind me, yeah, the original Winton 106A six-cylinder. We're going to chat about that here in just a minute and look through the rest of the car. But let me bring in the guy who's who's my my expert for today, Andy Spinelli. How you doing? Doing uh, doing well today. Thank you. Um, Andy is a volunteer here at the Mid Continent Railway Museum, and and this is kind of your baby, yes? One of many. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've collected a few, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, now this this car. Um, the 13th, uh, motor car built, I think you told me 1925, correct. Okay. Um, virtually intact. Correct. And, uh, we'll talk at the end here. You're planning to restore this thing. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. To operation. <laughs> okay. Stick around for that. So we're up front here. And like I said, we're talking the very beginning of EMC. This is like this is like when Hal Hamilton and Paul Turner are, are sitting down and having an idea going, well, you know, we can take this technology and this technology and we can come up with this. Well, what, what was this? What did they come up with? Well, it was DC propulsion system. So they hired Herman Lemp out of Thomas Edison's laboratory. And they were working on very early DC propulsion and trying to mechanically turn electric uh, from a, a gasoline diesel engine into electric to run traction motors under the floor. Totally unheard of before. It was all steam power up until this point. Other people were working on some hydraulic systems. They were working on other types of electrical systems too, but this is the electrical system that worked. This and is that's why EMD wanted to buy EMC. 
Okay. Um, yeah, I had, I had read in places where they had, they, there were some experiments with a chain drive that, that didn't, yeah. Yeah. yeah, didn't work so well. Okay, so up front, we're at the front end of the, the motor car. Correct. And as I referenced, we've got a Winton 106A uh, six-cylinder, straight block? Straight, 225 horsepower. Okay, and that's going to that's gonna give us enough juice to run this thing. And if, if Ben can swing around behind us here, uh, the, the generator? Correct, that's a 600-volt General Electric uh, generator. Okay, so basically the same setup as you would have on a diesel-electric locomotive today. Um, when you said gas, all right, so am I, am I like running this down to the corner convenience store uh, to fill up, or is like the Texaco guy coming out with his truck? Yeah, you got to remember back in those days, gasoline was not really available, so they called it gas, but it was more like distillate is what it really ran on. Uh, it was more of a heavy fuel. It wasn't really diesel. Uh, but it was more like a kerosene. Kerosene was readily available because of lanterns and lighting at the time. So it was a, it was a, it didn't ignite as well as gasoline did. Uh, and unfortunately, that was caused some problems of following out spark plugs and ignition systems and that. But again, it was very early technology in these larger internal combustion engines. Okay, now I want you to grab a spark plug from up there, and Ben, stroll over this way if we can here for a second, um, while Andy gets us a spark plug. I, I want I want you to notice, folks. Here we have the engine, straight six, nice big block, the generator um, to our right here, and now if you look over the top of this, around up into the front there, that is where the motorman is going to be sitting. All right, Ben's going to risk limb and life to, to get in there and get a shot. But that's where the motorman is sitting, is up in front of this thing. So back in the 1920s, when this was developed, when this one was put in place, your engineer is sitting right in the same compartment as basically the prime mover, um, you know, noise, heat, vibration. Um, and then we've got this issue with the spark plugs. Correct. What what was the, what was the problem there? It's a, it's a dual ignition system. So there's two magnetos and two spark plugs for every cylinder. And if you look at this spark plug, you can see it's pretty carboned up. There's two electrodes on this plug. And that was the problem with the fuel of the time is you would basically get this crust growing on those plugs and they would fall out. The carbon would build and they would fall out. So you had two systems, one to back up the other one. And that's why we've got a spare rack up here for plugs. This is all factory to hold the spare plugs, because while you were going down the line, if you had a cylinder that started to fail and fall out on you, you would change the plug. OK, hold, hold on. Time out. Time out. Time out. I'm the motorman. I'm sitting up here, sweating away as it is, trying to keep on timetable. I lose a cylinder. You're telling me on the road, I pop out the wrenches, open her up, and I'm doing spark plug replacement? Yes, you are. But you got to remember, this was light years ahead of the steam locomotive. That was hot. That was dirty. This, this had very little mechanical to work. You didn't have to go outside and grease rods. You didn't have to do, stop every 50 miles and, and service your engine. This kept going. So this little thing of changing out a spark plug was nothing compared to what had to be done for maintenance on a steam locomotive. Okay, I'll, I'll give you the little maintenance, but the hot part, listen, folks, I'm looking at, at one, two, three exhaust pipes here. 
I'm thinking uh, I'm thinking my lunch is getting tied on to one of these things, and that's how we're cooking it. Don't tell me this wasn't uh, cool air conditioned up here. Ain't no way. Oh, man. But, yeah, I, I, your point's well taken that this is well ahead of the steam technology of the time. Yeah, this, this is what was the foundation of replacing steam. They didn't know. If you look at the arrangement of the, the engine sitting the other way uh, compared to how modern locomotives are, uh, this was the test bed, really, from what we have modern. Things kept improving and getting better. Uh, but what this was very important for was the Great Northern had bought this car brand new in 1925 for $35,000. And, and when they bought it, they actually bought it as a test bed. It was used on the Great Northern over the period of several months to see if these cars were going to be more efficient than the steam engines. And they did a lot of reporting and a lot of studies on this car when it was in service. And after several months, they came back and they re reported to the board of directors that it was tremendous, the amount of savings. They estimated it was around a 50% savings over a steam locomotive with repairs, maintenance of facilities, the crews. Uh, and with that, the Great Northern started buying EMC cars. And when the Great Northern started buying EMC cars, so did everyone else. You had the Chicago Burlington Quincy, you had the Santa Fe, you had the Union Pacific. So everybody started buying cars, and that also turned General Motors' ear to a new technology, a new market that they could invest in. They saw all these thousands of steam engines in the matter of 15, 20 years going away, and something was going to replace it, and they wanted to buy into that technology. And they did. And, and EMC hit at just the right time. Uh, there was a gap between, like you said, almost steam and when roads and buses really took over and they filled it with, with the rail car. Correct. Correct. This, I mean, this was a test bed, even if you want to say for an FT. Uh, FTs weren't, weren't around yet, but this is where that technology came from. It had to start somewhere. Uh, this car actually did pull a few freight cars in service when it was on the Montana Western. <laughs> they not only hauled passengers with it, but you could haul several cars behind it. They did many types of different experiments with what they could use this car for service for revenue. Okay. All right. So we looked at the engine compartment up front. The area we're standing in is actually baggage and express. If you think about using this uh, on a short line, uh, you'd want to carry mail, you'd want to carry some luggage, you want to carry some parcels along. That's the room we've got here. Andy, let's have you put your spark plug away. And let's go take a look at the, uh, the rest of the car here. Sounds good. So uh, we're moving back in Montana 31, uh, an EMC rail car, the 13th one uh, ever built. And uh, up front, we were in that, that motorman's room and the baggage room. Um, Andy Spinelli with me. And Andy, we're, where are we now? We're in a smoking lounge. And I left my cigarettes in my other pants pocket. I did too. <laughs> Okay, you know, for today, I mean, we joke about it, but today you can't you can't do that on the airplanes. But yeah, sm smoking was acceptable everywhere. Actually, I'm surprised that this area is as small as it is because more people smoke than not. Yeah, I mean, this was. I mean, we've only got there's four benches here, so figure if we get two uh, a piece or one big guy like myself, um, you're looking at eight guys in here. Probably just the guys, though. Correct. Yeah, all yeah, in here. Cigars. Yeah, smoking cigars, lighting up. This room's going to be fogged under. Um, but yeah, that, that it, it's kind of incredible. They provided this little area for it. And of course there are doors so we can close the guys in here. It is sealed. Uh, the, the other side to this is the men's restroom. The women's is all the way at the other end of the mm -hmm. car. 
Okay. Keep them, keep them separate. Keep, keep them, separate. keep the men up here by, by smoke. yeah, exactly. All right. Um, more car to go through. We're going to, we're going to, let's move on, move on along here. Great. So we're continuing through Montana Western 31 and we started way up front in the motorman's compartment. We went through baggage, um, through the, the smoking lounge. God, that was fogged under. Holy cow. And now we're in the, the main passenger compartment. Correct. Okay. And, um, Capacity back here? 52. 52 folks. 52. 52 folks. Okay, so this this unit really can replace a small branch line train. Correct. Okay. Correct. And that saved us a steam locomotive, some heavyweight cars. Oh, wait a minute. Now, hope, hopefully you can verify this for me. I read somewhere EMC had a special lightweight trailer car that they made to go with the motor cars or the doodle bugs, as they were called. Um, but the railroads being kind of tight with the, with the jing sometimes just decided to tack on regular heavyweight cars. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And, and we had done that at this museum years back. We actually pulled one or two cars. Uh, it was a little taxing, but the wooden cars actually performed very well. We could put two wooden cars behind the, the Montana Western and pull them without any problems. Okay, but the weight thing initially was the issue that here you've got 225 horses up front and we're tacking on instead of 35 tons, we're tacking on 85 tons of the heavyweight back here and some mechanical issues start to develop. <laughs> Correct. Times haven't changed. Everybody wants to do everything as cheap as possible. <laughs> Times have not changed. You know, and, and, and I can see the logic, especially um, late 20s, early 30s, you know, economic times are tough. Um, you know, 1930s, of course, the, the, the Great Depression, um, passenger traffic starts to head down. We've got these cars that we can use. Why, you know, why should we go buy a new car from an untrusted or an unknown company? We're already experimenting with their rail car. Correct. The, the, the neat thing about this car is it's double-ended. So being double-ended, you have controls at both ends. Now, a steam engine, when you got down to one end, you had to have, again, a turntable or a Y. Very expensive to turn a steam engine to head back the other direction. Another cost-saving point of this was the motorman went to the other end and ran the car in the other direction. It's the same principle we still have today in most commuter uh, rail situations. Metra has push-pull service in the Chicagoland area. They got that from the Chicago Northwestern, from the Burlington. Burlington got it from the Burlington, Chicago Burlington and Quincy. It all came from this car. Okay. All right. Now, Andy, um, listen, I'd love to ride on this thing, but I got this issue. Um, I don't want to ride backwards. Okay, so if, if we're, you know, we're double ended and we're not putting this thing on a wire or a turntable, that means at some point we got seats that are facing the wrong way. Yep. Can you can you fix that? Yep, we got walkover seats. So we just walk these seats right over and now we can head in the other direction. Okay, clever. Uh, if you haven't seen that, folks, walkover seats. Get a set of them for your hybrid. That's that's neat. It's ingenious because, you know, a, a lot of times if folks either have uh, an issue with uh, riding backwards or, hey, you know, we're going that way. I want to see what's coming as opposed to where I've been. Correct. And the, the family could all sit together as a unit 
Or again, like you said, I know a lot of my relatives don't like running in reverse. And that's what this was for. When they pushed that car or the car ran in the other direction, you'd flip the seats over. All right. Hey, last thing before we go look at the, the, the other end of the car, um, and we'll, we'll wrap up with this. I know we want to talk about restoration. We're going to, the Mid-Continent Railway Museum is going to restore the car, but something that I think is, is really cool. Um, you, the car is virtually intact Correct. the way it is. Correct. Um, but in restoration, uh, unlike what we saw over on the Duluth, where there's a, you know, a lot of woodwork going on and a lot of, you know, repair and maintenance that needs to be done, this car being almost intact, you're going to pretty much leave it the way it is. This car, yeah, the interior will be left alone. Uh, we're going to keep maintaining it, but there's nothing going to be torn off or refinished on it. It's more the mechanical aspect. Uh, even electrical system, as you see, the lights are on. They still work. That's under 32 volt. So we've got that step down to a transformer right now. All that electrical system works. The braking system still works on the car. The air system works on the car. We've got that going over the past number of years uh, back to operation. So it's really the, the prime mover and getting the traction motor spinning again. Uh, we need some roof repair, uh, but the windows, all of the sashes, the shades, everything's going to stay intact because it is a time capsule. Neat. That is, I mean, it's so restoration-wise, man, that's like off the hook, you know, okay? It's but, only original once. <laughs> you're right. And, you know, in, in cases like the Duluth, like we saw uh, when we visited with Bill before, there's work there that's got to be done yeah. to, 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 to make it so that it's interpretable. But here, like you're saying, leaving this the way it is, this is history just as it sits. And to see how this car has evolved over, you know, 75, well, nearly 100 years, man, that's that's just, that's cool as it is. Yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> We're very fortunate to have it. All right. We got one more spot in the car. We got to look at the motorman spot here on the other end. Come on along. We are at the back end of Montana Western number 31. Um, as Andy had mentioned, there is a, a second motorman spot. This was a, a bi-directional car. Pretty ingenious idea for back in 1925. Um, Andy, you're in the in the back motorman spot, yes? Correct. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I I see no luxury of room for the crew here. Uh, again, compared to a steam locomotive, th th this was the cat's meow. The windows actually open up to the front, so you get a nice breeze coming in. There's no heat. I don't have to shovel coal. I don't have gr a grease gun I got to worry about. Uh, I'm sitting. I don't have to stand. Uh, I've got full control over the entire train from back here. I've got all the gauges. I could monitor what the engine's doing, my air pressure, oil temperature, oil pressure. Um, th this is this is this is the spot to be. <laughs> yeah, but but one one problem. You blow a spark plug, man. You're you're running to the other end of the car. <laughs> oh my god. Minor inconveniences. <laughs> you got to remember that's where the times were back then. This is, this is true. This is true. Okay. So, um, you've seen, you've seen now the whole inside of the car. Um, we got to step outside because there is, there's something else that is, that is so special about, uh, the restoration of this car and why it, it is got such a high level of success. We're going to leave Andy in his phone booth here for a few minutes. Okay. Come on outside. All right. So we just toured Montana Western number 31, uh, an EMC motor car, number 13 built. Um, Andy got out in front of us here, and there is there is something that is really neat about the restoration that's going to happen with Montana Western 31. Um, and, you know, for most folks, it's going to look like we just... 
went down the street to Pep Boys and raided the back room. But there, you you got something special going on here that makes this restoration like plausible. Yeah, we've got a lot of new old stock parts, uh, almost enough to build a couple engines. These are parts uh, from this actually is still an EMD packaging, uh, has never been opened since the, the 40s. Uh, these pistons here, these are from uh, Winton. These have never been in an engine from the 1920s. Uh, they're a little rusty down here, but these bearings are brand new surfaces. They've never touched a crankshaft in their life. We've got several sets of those. We've got a, uh, several new old stock carburetors. Uh, that, that carburetor has uh, been sitting around for a long time waiting to go into an engine. It's a massive carburetor. And you can see Spiri rejected it because they weren't using these in service anymore. Still got its original gasket on top. Uh, throttle shaft has never been worn. I mean, this is all brand new. Uh, we've got uh, rocker arm uh, assemblies. We've got all sorts of new old stock parts, which are pretty neat. Listen, listen, I'm... Um... I'm going to boost this baby. The uh, the F-150 trains truck is outside. We're going to supercharge her on the way home here. So you guys, you can... This, this would suck some coal. <laughs> so you guys have got a beautiful backstock of parts, not only for the initial restoration, but then as you start running, okay, something something goes awry. We hit the boxcar here, and we're, we're fixed up for a while. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of places don't have that, and they've got to take old parts and use them as a pattern, and it's hard to use a worn part as a pattern. You're guessing on tolerances. Uh, if we had to, we've got brand new patterns here. So, uh, but we don't have to do that at this point in time because we have so, such an abundance of new old stock parts. You know, I'm thinking when... Um uh, the motor cars first came out and they weren't selling as well. Um, Turner and Hamilton uh, put their heads together and they said, okay, what, what can we do to entice, you know, folks? And they had a 30 day guarantee. If the car does not run in 30 days and you come off schedule by five minutes, um, turn it back to us and, and, you know, no, no harm, no foul, we'll void the contract. And of course they had, you know, service guys around the country, with stockpiles of parts, man, I'm thinking you guys don't need the 30 day guarantee a hundred years later. <laughs> you got your own parts warehouse. This is, Andy, this is beautiful. It, it really is. It's unbelievable to think we've got parts from the 1920s that have never been put into a, into an engine. So we're very fortunate not only to have the car, but to have the parts to back it up. Winton parts have not been made in years. Uh, Electromotive, uh, General Motors, only supported Winton parts for a very short period of time. Uh, and there are currently no Winton operating engines in the United States. So this is gonna be incredible once we get this thing going. Okay, hey, before we depart today, we gotta to duck over to Mr. Bob's Railroad Bookshelf. Uh, we brought the bookshelf on the road, of course. And listen, if you look at the bookshelf, you go way down to the far end, and there's magazine boxes. And I gotta recommend a magazine for you here today. And this is actually um, from our sister publication, Classic Trains. Um, this is one of their issues, the, the untold, the behind the scenes story of EMD. And I'll tell you what, pick this one up. Um, you can still get them at KalmbachHobbyStore.com. Um, there is a great story uh, that parallels what Andy and I have been talking about today about those early times um, at EMD and some of the, the trials and tribulations and the, are we going to make it? So on the bookshelf today, go way down to the end of the magazine section, 
pick up classic trains. Uh, we're looking at the summer 2022 issue. You can get that at KombachHobbyStore.com. That's also the place you should be looking for all the current Kombach books, model railroad supplies, puzzles, other gift items. KombachHobbyStore.com. Calm. All right. Mid-Continent Railway Museum. You know, Andy, I'm, I'm glad we came back. Seeing the Duluth was incredible. What you guys have got going here, this is, this is going to be, I mean, beautiful, beautiful work. I love the way you are taking history and presenting the time capsule from beginning to now and letting folks see the whole thing and, you know, get a ride on it as well. And listen, I don't have an engineer's card, but man, let me blow the whistle, please. We can do that. We can do that. <laughs> keep, in, keep in mind the 1385 we have here, that's going to be coming back very shortly. We've got uh, the 988, which is a Milwaukee Road original RSC2, with it's also original prime mover. Uh, the trucks, we just rebuilt the traction motors on that. The trucks are in process. Uh, that should be up and going in a couple of years also. So we've got a lot of neat examples here from, as you said, beginning of steam through early first generation diesels. Fantastic. We're going to be back. We're Ben. Jenny, road trip again. We're coming back here. Trust me on that. Hey, folks, uh, we would definitely want to see you on trains.com. And as always, uh, I want to make sure that, you know, I see you behind a copy of Trains Magazine very, very soon. Do you like what you hear? Listen, check out this episode in video with a trains.com unlimited membership. Click the link in the episode notes and watch it today. Oh, wait a minute. Not a member? Try our 30-day free trial of Trains.com, the ultimate online portal for anyone who loves trains of any size from any era. Trains.com, it's your home for the most comprehensive routing news and curated video series, articles, photos, and so much more, all about trains.